Thank you for listening to our Chat Canna broadcast. This podcast was originally created for our YouTube channel and is being rebroadcast here for your convenience. We'd like to thank the folks at Canna RHX for providing this Chat Canna podcast. And good morning, everyone. It is another edition of Chat Canna, Thursday, the 29th. We are 48 hours away from a busted Halloween this year. Uh, if you saw the Connors last night, at least they figured out how to do it in their house. I am hooked on the Roseanne show, of course, changed over to the Connors because Roseanne had to uh, get on some kind of chemical and uh, made nasty remarks to everybody on social media. But I think they've really picked up the show and are continuing on with it. And uh, so they had their annual Halloween show last night. If you didn't see it, maybe you can catch it on one of the social media channels. Well, we have a special guest with us today. He's down in the Morris area. He is a first-year hemp farmer, and we're going to find out the ups and downs and the frustrations, the joys, the happinesses, and ask him why he decided to get into this crazy industry. We would like to welcome to Chat Canna today a gentleman named Jeremy Moore. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, good morning. How are you? Couldn't be better. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. No problem. So no the, problem. Big question, the big question, what, what uh, you know, were you having a bad day and you said, well, I think I'll be a hemp farmer? Yeah, I, I guess that's kind of what happened. No, we, um, <laughs> my dad and I had been talking about it and we, we'd had a family friend down in Tennessee who, who had done it successfully the past few years. So we thought we would kind of dip our toe into it and start small. Um, little did we know, you know, our small was we were thinking around 2,000 plants. And, uh, you know, after we've gone through the whole process, we think that was probably probably too much to start <laughs> off small. So, um, yeah, small, you know, small is an adjective. And it if small to one person could be 30 plants and small to uh, somebody else could be 80 acres. So you just never know. You just never know. Exactly. We needed to try to get a frame of reference. And now we've <laughs> certainly got one, that's for sure. Well, good, good. So, so you had this conversation. You said, you know, let's check it out. What was step two? Well, we uh, we tried to do as much research as we could, you know, online and and visiting different people in Minnesota and talking to people, you know, over the phone or email and stuff like that. And then we relied pretty heavily on on like those friends down in Tennessee and kind of they stepped us through what they do as a process. And um, you know, we decided to get some plants from them and. And, uh, you know, put them in the ground and as, as far as early June, you know, through the process, we, we purchased a uh, raised bed uh, plant, you know, a raised bed layer that puts the plastic mulch down and drip tape. Sure. Uh, you know, that seemed to be the way to go for, for our operations. And um, we made a water wheel planter. Our, our whole goal was to try to get into this, um, not on the extremely cheap side, but not knowing what the, you know, the outcome was going to be. We didn't want to just go out and purchase all new equipment here and there. So we tried to, to make do with what we had in, uh, in certain areas, just not to break the bank because it's a little bit. Oh, abs absolutely. You know, you can spend yourself poor. I mean, you can, uh, you know, you can take money that you have and it's gone. And then the, the, it, it you know, you got a long time return. So you gotta, we cut every corner we could. I mean, we were, we were going, I think we got all the way back to when the family was raising cows back in the sixties, uh, you know, getting parts and pieces and, and doing anything we could to uh, make sure that we were not spending any more money than we had to. So that's absolutely right. So what land did you put it on? Where did, what, what was the land that you put it, set it on? Yeah, so, so we had some river bottom land uh, by Morris, Minnesota. It's family land that my grandpa used to farm and we rent it out and it's irrigated. 
um, alongside of some CRP land that we own. So what we did is we took a three-acre chunk uh, of unirrigated, an, an unirrigated corner, and that's where we decided to plant everything, right next to a CRP, a CRP field, and it was corn last year and corn this year again. So uh, probably wouldn't do that again, but. Um, and what was what was the downside to that? Well, we we found some uh, Eurasian hemp borers towards the end of our harvest, uh, mm -hmm. which which ate some plants, and then we were worried about corn borers. So we've done a lot of research, and it seems like the CRP will hold uh, will hold those borers, and then certainly the land will from having corn in it as well. So okay, it, oh okay, yeah. With the uh, that's the, the that's the of all our guests, that's the first I've heard of that. So so yeah, yeah, just some small little tiny little red red kind of worms that were were boring through some of the plants and then they had essentially turned some of the buds into the flowers into what they call bud rot yeah. uh, and you can you can see those uh quite clearly so when we were taking plants we just skipped those plants and uh mm -hmm. continued to move on to the healthy plants. interesting okay so you're saying it's in, it's irrigated with so from the uh, irrigated from the above or yeah the the land is has got a center pivot on it but the the land that we chose uh the center pivot didn't hit, so we used fertigation. So we we used the drip line uh, under the plastic to to try to irrigate everything. Okay, so you put you put down plastic and then punched seedlings into the plastic. Then, yeah, yeah, we used clones, so they were anywhere from you know five six inches tall to uh, you know eighteen inches tall when we were putting them in the ground. Okay, and how did you find them to grow? I mean. Uh, our, our experience was that they, you sit there and you wait and you wait and you wait and you think you've done everything wrong because nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden one day they go kaboom on you. Yep, exactly. And then, you know, we were, we were frustrated a little bit on the water side. It was such a dry June for us and we didn't know, we've always heard and everyone says, you know, don't overwater, don't overwater. And we were trying not to overwater and we thought maybe did we overwater or what have you. And then all of a sudden, you know, July hits and they're starting to boom up and we got some rains and we couldn't control that, obviously. So, um, yeah, the, the watering was a big challenge just trying to figure out when to do it. Sure, sure. And it, and it is. Uh, we found that that front end watering was good. I mean, that, that yeah. you know, we just didn't feel you could put too much water on when they're babies. Yeah. And, and I think that's what we found out as well, because the field to the north of us has a center pivot that would just, you know, uh, some of the, the spray would hit some of the plants. So they got a little bit more water. And those turned out to be some of our larger plants that got that little extra yep, shot see, of water. There you go. I mean, that's that's been our experience now for two years is that at, at the beginning, you just uh, obviously you don't want them sitting in water, but you just can't seem to uh, not put too much water on right at the beginning. And then, of course, tapering it off as they develop a root system. And by toward yeah. the end of the season, it seems that they find their own water. They don't really need so much. So, yeah, so. yeah. So it, I think if we were to do it again, and we probably will, as we'll, we'll water more heavily on the front side, like you said, and and uh, not be so afraid because just everything we read, we were too scared to to put too much water on. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I totally get that. Well, I, oh, and and he is mentioned, ladies and gentlemen. They they might going to be doing it again. So this is good. This is good. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. wonderful. Yeah, wonderful, probably. wonderful. So Probably did you? Not I'm sorry. No, oh, not too. Oh, okay. So you think you're going to get something that you can put your arms around, maybe a little better. So, yeah. Well, that's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we're of the philosophy. You know, here is that every plant is kind of named and numbered. I mean, I can show you a picture of of uh, one of our babies that you know it just was better than every other one, and and it was you know row fourteen, plant thirty six, and I mean it just. 
it we watched it all year long and it, it it was the first one to bud and it had the biggest buds and we don't know you know if if uh, ours was pasture land up until 1961 and then it was just set as as grassland and you know did a cow pick that particular place for years and years and years to to uh, do its uh, you know duty or we have no idea why that particular spot happened to be for that particular plant but that uh, that particular plant just did really, really, really well. Or if it was just the luck of the DNA right there, we don't know. But uh, but we had and we had other plants that were right behind it. But that one just it uh, it popped out first and just uh, was a great great plant. Did you see a lot of variation between your plants out there in the field of the two thousand? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We had some that you know were when we were uh, harvesting that were three foot tall and we had some that were over six feet tall and it was, there was no rhyme or reason to it. Um, other than there seemed to be a little bit more stability with those ones that got a little bit more water, they seemed to be a little bit more uniform. But um, for the most part, you know, it was kind of spotty. You'd have a plant that was, you know, you could see it go down in a curve, you know, six feet and then five and a half, five, four, and then three, and there'll be a line of 10 plants at three and then it may jump back up and there's no rhyme or reason. In theory, it should have been getting the same you know, nutrients, et cetera, that we're feeding it anyway, uh, mm-hmm. and the same amount of water. So, and I don't know if that's just genetics or luck of the draw or what, you know. But because you were feeding it through the through the tubes, so. Yeah, we'd feed it through the tubes, or we'd do a foliar spray with uh, fish emulsion as well, um, okay. up until yeah. up yeah. until flowering. So. Wow. So yeah, and so and you felt that that was really you you, you felt control of that, so it was uniform. So. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was, you, it was certainly interesting. Oh, absolutely. Did, did you, do you feel you had absolutely different kind of plants out in the field, or were they all of the same kind of origin? I, they were all of the same origin. It's just, you know, and it, getting clones, like I said, some were five inches, six inches tall when I plunked them in the ground, and some were, you know, over a foot tall, and we didn't know if that would affect anything, and, and I don't think it really did. Um, some of our smaller plants actually grew up to be kind of big, and some of the ones that started off massive, you know, were kind of medium sized. So, so that didn't the, the five inches or a foot when you put them in didn't seem to be the forebearer of of anything at all. No, I would say after about a month and a half, you couldn't tell, uh, you know, which one started out bigger sure. or not. Sure. At least in, at least on yeah. our field. So. Well. Awesome. Awesome. So where are they now? You told me that most of what you think you're going to harvest, you've got in. Uh, what Are they upside down now? How are yeah. they hanging? What's uh, a completely yeah. different meaning to that yeah, phrase. Can... Uh, so how are they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, um, we we rented a barn and we've uh, we decided to hang the whole plants upside down. Um, what we've experimented with and what I think we should have done from the beginning is, you know, clip some of the colas off first if we wanted to choose to do the smokable route on, on some of those larger ones. But, uh, yeah, we're hanging them upside down, and we've actually been lucked out pretty good and having good humidity levels and make sure there's plenty of airflow in the barn. So they'll hang there for anywhere from, you know, a minimum of five days for us. And some of sat in there for, for longer, and then we bring them home into our heated shop um and let them you know get acclimated to that because it's about a 30 40 degree difference with controlled humidity and then we start the stripping process and once we've got them stripped if they need to be dried down more we'll put them in racks we've yet to have to do that actually they've dried down uh, a lot easier on our side than uh, than what we expected so uh once they're in the kind of the more temperature controlled shop we get them stripped 
uh, and put into biomass bags, the big super stacks, and mm-hmm. you know, ready for processing and more testing, et cetera, and making sure the CBD is there and all that fun stuff. Of course, of course. And I heard you brought some up to our our friends in Fargo, the Adams uh, testing yep. lab. To, so you'll be getting those results back here in a little while, and we'll see we'll see just what's out there in the field this year for your first try. That'll be really neat. Yeah, yeah. We have some, you know, we got a bunch of snow on our field, so there's still plants out there. You know, if you walk by, they look okay, and they smell, they don't smell terrible. They just don't smell as fresh as, you know, the yeah. plants did two weeks yeah. ago. So we wanted to get a kind of a baseline on whether it's worth going out there trying to salvage some of those, you know, bigger bigger plants or branches off of those plants or if it's worth it or not, you know. Sure, sure. Or even just the the main stem. Maybe you just go out and harvest the main stems on them. So what was your yeah. variety? What did you buy? What's out there? Uh, cherry wine is what we started with. So we just went with just cherry wine. We thought, you know, mm-hmm. that's what our friends, uh, kind of our mentors down in Tennessee used. And, you know, kind of a good stable, from what I understand anyway. I, I'm certainly not an expert. We're learning every day. <laughs> but kind of, you know, what uh, everyone is, you know, yes. kind of yeah, started sure. out on. And it should be somewhat somewhat manageable THC levels. That was another big thing that's something you can't really control unless you're testing for it, you know, on a, on a every other day or weekly basis. And we just, uh, you know, we, we passed our state test, which was good and, and then got into harvesting right away. So. Wonderful. Wonderful. When they came out, of course they crossed the field back and forth, took about 30 samples and, yeah. and then they drove away and you're going, Oh, this better be good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, it was, we put in all this work all summer and the, the money and the blood, sweat and tears. And then, you know, that one piece of paper email you get can, can, you know, dash all of your hopes in a second. So when it came, when, when it came in the mail, did you pass it back? You open it. No, you open it. No, you open it. Um, to see how, yeah. how it turned yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, that was a, quite a, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, it was quite, yeah, we got an email and opened it up right away and, you know, showed my dad so you know we've got our fit for commerce certificate so now we can you know do what we need to do with it and you know hopefully find uh you know make it in some oil and, and find a buyer or what have you we haven't quite decided on that uh, that process sure sure well yeah and that's the thing is you know to get it to the to the next state and uh and the you know the uh decisions are still out yet on how long it can be in the next state you know how long can it sit in oil um and still hold its uh hold what what it has and how good it is so these are all yeah. things that the industry is learning yet as as things are going forward and yeah. uh, it's an ex- it's an exciting time to to be in the industry and learn what's going on and of course uh, chatting with friends you know it was more fun last year in the fact that the state of minnesota put out a list of every farmer in the whole state that was in the game in any way shape or form and now sure. this year, of course, I understand because of privacy and things like that, you have to ask to be put on the list. So it went from about 700 people down to about 60 people. Sure. And, but, you, you know, it was fun last year because we could say, oh, 40 miles away. I know him, you know, and you get on the phone and yeah. you chat and, and it's, it's a good time. And we can't do that this year because, um, you know, we, we just kind of you don't know which of your neighbors unless you're out driving around and. You got to do a little deduction and a little sleuthing uh, to yeah. find out who's in it. And I'm sad about that. It's too bad that, that you know, we couldn't have a, a list so we can talk about people. And now with, of course, being locked in with the situation that's going on, um, it's even worse because uh, we're, we're stuck down to being on the phones or on 
some kind of internet stuff and uh, and doing that. So what's what's the history of your land there? Your dad's a farmer and has been for years. And uh, no, it was it, more of my grandpa farmed, and then oh, okay. my dad really didn't get into that. So it's uh, it's some river bottom land, and he he had retired, you know, in the late nineties and such. So we just uh, but kept the land in the family and just rented it out. Uh, sure, you know, sure. The CRP and hunting land and such. And then uh, we just decided to re-rent three acres back that we had rented out and and try it. So I, I wow. So, so you're, you're, get, you're getting back yeah. in the game, basically. You're following yeah. the, the age-old family tradition. So, and yeah. what's your family history? Was your grandfather, or maybe your great-grandfather, that came to America, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they came. Uh, I think in the late 1800s, 1890s, settled in Stevens County, Minnesota, and you know, you know, they had all farmed all the way up. Like I said, it probably would have been a century farm, you know, by the time my grandpa retired. So. Sure, sure, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sure the big event for them, you know, back, say, like with my family, get down to the state fair. And, and you sure. know, that was, there was no internet. There hardly was, you know, successful farming magazine if they could afford it. And probably yeah. the yeah. only reason they could afford it was because they did double use when they used it out in the toilet, you know. Well, we, we got to get something, so we might as well order successful farming, you know, for a nickel a uh, an episode or so. And, yeah. uh, uh, but after, but other than that, uh, you know, that was, uh, getting down to this, the county fairs. And then of course the state fair was the way to find out new farming practices and, uh, and maybe look for a, a new bull that you could bring home and, uh, and try and improve the herd a little bit. And, uh, and do all those kind of things. And I, I just wish, you know, Sheldon Cooper on the big bang is all, he wants to go into the future. I think it would be so cool to zip back about a hundred years and, and, you know, hang out at the state fair or the county fair and, uh, and, uh, and, and just, and the, and the gatherings and see what farming was about. Like when the, when the, the threshing machine came in to your farm and all of the people that put the work involved to get the crop, to get the yeah. crop harvested for the few days that you had your threshing machine on your place. To me, yeah. that would be the, uh, the real exciting adventure of what's happened here. The, some of our farmland got broken 1890 where I happen to be is 1919. So oh. last year was our hundred year here. Nice. nice. And yeah. so, yeah, but you know, and so all of the things that have happened and now those first trees that were planted there, big cottonwoods are at the end of their life. They're starting to, yeah. to break down, you know, so it is, a, it is a, a change of that, that cottonwood generation. Mm -hmm. Well, and then, you know, if you, if you got to take them down, plant something and maybe it's an oak or another cottonwood and, you know, another hundred years from now, someone can, uh, can deal with it, you know? Yeah. And wouldn't, wouldn't that be amazing? Of course, you know, my great grandfather had eight sons and my grandfather had seven sons and a daughter, but my dad had one son and I have one son. So the, the you know, the, the, <laughs> the farming is getting narrower and narrower and the, the, now in the family, the, the land, you know, my dad made it on, I was just figuring that out. We had 480 acres that we owned, but about a thousand acres, including what we rented. But now our land is within 6,600 acres of land that two cousins are farming. And I'm sure come another 20 years, assuming that their sons are going to pick it up, that's going to be an even bigger, you know, machine if you think of it as a machine the whole the whole game so yeah. what's even as i i don't know how it is down where you live but as i drive around and with my son uh, you know i'm saying 
there used to be a big barn there and a house and that particular Catholic family. And I only say that because Lutherans and Catholics back then, it was kind of like two sides of the road, you know, sure. but, but, and all those girls babysat us, by the way, that's the joke. I now, one of the gals is, is yet uh, at the monastery here and I, we run into each other once in a while and we reminisce because she and her sisters were my, my and my sister's babysitters, but you know, their farm now is completely farmed over. But when I was a kid, there was a barn that could handle 50 cattle and a farmhouse that held 14 kids. And there's there's the only evidence of it is one cottonwood tree. That's the last evidence. So, you know, the, the world is changing. And now we got into hemp. This is so awesome that the hemp has come around again and the things that we can do with it. Are you thinking yeah. you're going to stay in the CBD world as you move forward? Or are you going to try and... I think so. I think for now, at least probably next year, uh, you know, there's, I think there's a little bit more infrastructure built up in the area as far as processing plants for CBD. You know, like a decortication plant and I haven't really researched for, for fiber or for seed quite yet. And as I understand it with the seed, you need to have the drying capabilities to be able to get that dried down, you know, rapidly. So uh, yeah, that's not yeah. where we're at right now, but you know, possibly. Sure, future, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. You know, they haven't really made advancements in the in the U.S. in in hemp like decortication for for eighty years. And if you look to what like China and those guys are doing, they they wouldn't pass the the U.S. EPA test on the chemicals and such they use. We got to figure that out so, in a better uh, and more so American more safe way. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, but it, it'll be interesting to see as more people get into it. I think you've got to be a little bit more worried about, about uh, pollination. You know, we were lucky that, you know, we'd walked our fields and such, but didn't have any any pollination happen with us. You know, being clones, we were all female plants and, and uh, didn't get pollinated. But I've heard, you know, horror stories of all people that that's just a fact of life, that they're going to get pollinated. And as it continues to grow, I you know, there'll be some, I'm sure some technologies around that or, or uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be an issue. That's right. Where we were, you know, with our crop last year outside, um, most everything we did this year was inside because we, we took an old barn and we foamed it. So we are now year round capable. Matter of fact, I'm just today, um, Margaret from the Minnesota uh, Department of, you know, the Agriculture Department, the hemp, um, I'm going to be doing the first um, license for next year. She's asked me to go through and see if I can make the system break. And so I'm going to, here after the show, I'm going to go on and, and do the first application and uh, subject to change, of course, because she just wants me to go in and like hit every field and try and make it break. Um, so they get ready because last year, and maybe you did it or maybe you did it by hand because they had a problem with the, with the online application. So this year we're getting ahead of it. And she called me up and asked me to be a tester for it. So. So still in the IT business, even though I'm in the hemp business. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. So it's going to be good. But that's actually happening today yeah. here a little bit later. So, so, but uh, up here, I, we think that it's going to start moving okay. more and more to the uh, industrial hemp, the, the hemp that can be decorticated, take the bark off or the silk around the outside and send that to, you know, into the stream for jeans or paper that the, the herd that's inside the stock will uh, get moved over to the making of wood and hempcrete and all the things that it can be. 
And we, we see that we're going to probably, on the, as farther north you go, the higher the chance that it's going to start moving more into a field crop where the combines are going to come or whatever the equivalent machine is going to be that's going to be going across the field rather than the the three acres, the five acres, or or the kind of stuff that where you guys can do that in a nice little, like you said, a river bottom, a nice little place where you can protect it and and take care of it. So I think we're going to see a geographic division as the years go by um, where you guys farther south can can you know grow those plants where the the giant colas are just dripping with CBD and other the other CBs that we're going to start finding in there. Um, as yeah. opposed to we're going to I think yeah. we're going to industrialize on this end real fast up here. So yeah, and I think Canada, if I'm and like I said, like I said, I'm pretty novice at this, but I think Canada's still got a pretty decent hemp uh, operation up there, if I remember correctly. Unbelievable. I'm going to have a guest on that's north north of Edmonton, believe it or not. Not just okay. the Canadian line, not just Calgary. Then you go way north, you get to Edmonton. They're north of Edmonton. Wow. And they have a co-op up there of farmers. that, uh, And they do all the baling. You asked about, is it baled? They bring sure. the whole plant into their co-op, baled. And that's yeah. where they take it apart and get the four streams. Seeds, pharma. Uh, the silk of the after they decorticate it, and then the 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 bar uh, the uh, herd that's inside. But they are big up there, and they are looking for farmers. They will bring you the seed, and they will come and pick up the bales. That's how anxious they are for more acres up there. Ah, huh, wow, yeah, wow, yeah. It'll be interesting. I'm sure some of that will trickle down into into some of the larger farming operations here, and you know, throughout the Midwest. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where I, you know, for, for up here in the bigger farming areas, North Dakota, especially, that's probably what it's got to head to. I mean, the, the, the farmers are not of the mind, you know, to, to kind of like walk the field and talk to each plant and, and name and number it. So there, no, that really, yeah. that's what they're asking. They're saying, you know, when can I, when, when you've got it so that I can put it across 80 acres, let's talk. So sure. uh, I think that's where it's going to go. So we're going to see this division because certainly CBD is not letting up. The demand for it is getting higher. Now we're finding CBG and CBN and all these other things. So we're going to find two worlds going on here, and it's it's just going to be exciting. Well, I really want to thank you for coming on today. Let's pop your email on here so it will be a forever attached to the show. I hope that you don't mind that people uh, get a hold of you and can ask you questions and and. Uh, and see sure. where uh, Jeremy sure, and I'll probably ask them more. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll probably ask them more questions than, than I'll probably ask them hey. more questions than they ask me. I'm still learning every day, you know. So that, that's what um, we do. That, that's what we do. It's a learning experience, and you know, this is the government's fault because they held it off for seventy years. So there's seventy years of experimentation and learning and forward thinking and. Uh, and all of this to do, yeah. and it's exciting to have you along as a team member. We hope that next spring, as uh, as you get uh, your, I imagine you'll do clones again or something like that. Yeah. Uh, we hope that you'll come on the show and let's talk about it again and your plans, and maybe we'll get a live feed from out in the field and we'll see what you're actually planting and doing that. So, absolutely, absolutely, I appreciate the time today. Thank you. Hey, stay in touch and uh, good luck and good hamping and uh, uh, you know hunker down for the winter here. And uh, we'll see see where this takes us. Jeremy Moore, thank you so much uh, for being All on right. the show today. This has been great. All right. Thank you, John.
Yep. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you. That is our show today. Veronica, of course, will probably join us uh, uh, next week, and we will continue on uh, having guests and learning a lot more about where this hemp thing is taking us. It's an exciting time to be in the agriculture business and to be learning about this new new product. So uh, Monday, uh, we will have a Have You Heard on Monday and Wednesday, of course, and uh, big shows on Tuesday and Thursday. Thanks very much, everybody. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy Halloween. Uh, please be safe. All I can say is please, please, please be safe. And we will look forward to seeing you next week.